G'day, I'm Michael Dorinda. <laughs> and I am an entertained Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 22, part two of the North Meet South web podcast. We just had this happen for the first time. We started recording and Mr. Dorinda did not have his record button going. So he got about, let's see, five minutes into a really good explanation of our first topic and realized that he was not recording. Tisk tisk. I don't know what to tell you, but at least I was using the correct microphone to not record my audio with. So we're still one up on Adam Wathen. That's right. That's right. And Eric Barnes. That's right. They both recorded through <laughs> headphones and that is almost worse because then you get through the entire episode and realize that you're on the wrong microphone and then you have to re-record the whole thing anyway. Oh, that's painful. Yeah. That is painful. I am very, very glad that I realized this five minutes yes. into the recording and not at the end and then we realized that we would have nothing because we're obviously professional podcasters now and we don't use anything like Audio Hijack as a backup to to grab the audio out of our Google Hangout or anything That's like that. That's a good That's idea. That's crazy. That's actually kind of a good idea. We might yeah, need to do I that. think we should probably start doing it. We probably it. should. I've got Audio Hijack. We should probably pay for it. Yeah. Someone should sponsor us. Ooh, there you go. Folks, if you would like to be a sponsor on the North Meet South Web Podcast, here is an opportunity for you. How much is it, Michael? Uh, I think it's about $100 US. Dang. All right, 100 bucks, folks. Yeah. We will mention your product on our show for the next... Three weeks. That's only like 30 bucks. That's pretty good. 30 bucks an episode. Some, That's a great deal. Somebody pony up. Let's get this thing done. Make sure we don't have to do this ever again. Stop and start recording again. And I am actually very thankful. Only five minutes passed. That's that's not bad. That's not bad at all. Yeah. I will start by saying that this beginning of the episode, the first time I talked real quickly about how I had been converting an old school application, the type where you had uh, in the header of your uh, PHP files where it would say PHP include functions.php. And then in your functions.php, you would have a include DB connection.php. And Michael's favorite thing, you'd have like a global dollar sign DB that was your d database connection. And you would use unsecured non-MySQL I to do stuff in the database. So... Bad, bad, bad yeah. news. And I converted it to a Laravel 5.4 application, which was really very fun. And I will say that the best way, if you were wanting to do a Laravel 5.4 application, the best way to get started, Laravel new, and then the name of your application, because it just does 5.4 right out of the box for you. And as Michael can attest to, sometimes upgrading older installations can be a little bit of, in your exact words, Michael, a kick in the bollocks. Michael, maybe you could start by explaining what your experience has been like this week. This is, by the way, this is not a hate on upgrading the Laravel framework. Michael, you can explain a little bit further. Yeah, uh, definitely a kick in the bollocks. And as as Jake said, not not a hate on upgrading the framework itself. Upgrading the framework is, isn't too bad. Um, we were on the LTS, so the long-term support version of Laravel 5.1 because it was long-term support. And we fell into that trap of thinking, you know, we won't have to upgrade our code or anything like this for two years while that's while that's uh, version is being actively supported. 
so we can just tick along with focusing on our on our business logic. But as we found, and as I'm sure other people find, when you stick on the LTS version, you end up writing a lot of code yourself that you see in newer versions of Feature the framework. Feature lust. Feature lust. Feature lust, to, indeed. It has become to be known as. Yep. So um, I'm not sure there was too much in 5.2 specifically that I can think of off the top of my head. There was There was some stuff in there around logging. So you could set, I think, in 5.2, a log level in your env yes. file so mm-hmm. that meant that in in your development you could obviously log all debug and errors and everything but in production you would only want to log info log level errors or you'd only want to log warnings and errors for example but this functionality didn't exist in 5.1 so we needed it uh, and so we implemented it and then 5.3 came out and we needed api authentication and so what we did is implement our own version of Laravel Passport, which worked fine. You know, we had the tokens and we had authenticated users were able to access the API without having to pass a key around. Also, we thought because we had the unit test that said that that was the case, but that gave us a couple of false positives basically due to the way that Laravel handles setting the authenticated user in the the faux session within so you can yeah in your test you can say like acting as and then you pass in the user that you want to act as and it will set up a session for you but it's like you said it's kind of like a fake session right it's not exactly what you get if you're actually logged in right yeah so with with the api that's basically a stateless sessionless request okay so you would You'd send your API token with the request in the authorization header. It would then verify that you are who you say you are and then you would have access to it. But we wanted, as I said, the ability to have the user logged into the application and then not worry about those API keys. So as long as you're logged in, we would have access to all of that information. But making the post request, the session is not available to that stateless API. So even though the unit test said that it it was all good and that the session was being recognized by the logged in user, it was, it was not the case. So... Laravel Passport handles that by basically passing a CSRF token in the header, um, and it handles all of that using JWT, so JSON Web Tokens and, Which, and things like that. Which, oddly enough, the kind of abbreviation, like if you want to say that instead of saying JWT, you say JOT, right? It's a JOT, JOT token. Right. Yes. So if, I mean, you can't like, say JOT token because then uh, you're saying... That's correct. JOT token token. That's right. <laughs> so that'd be like saying JSON notation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Correct. Anyway, continue on. So, you know, we, we used the LTS because there was an LTS. So it meant that we would get two years, I think it is, with Laravel for bug fixes and three years for security fixes or something like that. Um, whereas active versions, so when 5.2 came out, 5.2 had six months of active development and, and one year of bug fixes or security fixes. So basically that meant that we didn't have to worry about any of those bugs that come out in later versions and then we could have Laravel 5.1 and then later whenever the next LTS version came out we could upgrade to the next LTS version but you know you get all these new features that you that you want to implement and you start implementing all, all this code yourself and you fast find out that it's probably better in your best interest to just upgrade incrementally and get all those new features and then you get all the active support anyway exactly yep exactly so and and so what we did was instead of spending time this week on doing the 
upgrades from 5.1 to 5.2 and 5.2 to 5.3. I probably spent about an hour on each making all the, you know, framework specific changes and, and changes to config and changes to service providers and all that kind of stuff that comes along with bumping versions. What I spent most of my time doing was ripping out all of the code that I had written. So the big one was we had a whole bunch of model bindings that we had to find in an in application-specific service provider, you know, do dollar router model and then the route placeholder uh, yes. and then the model. And all of that became implicit in 5.2. So there was, you know, 30 or 40 lines of code that just disappeared from our application. Which is pretty good. Which is fantastic. And so we spend, I spent most of my time this week removing code, not not fighting with why isn't this working or, you know, some breaking change or anything like that. Most of the functions that we were using were fine. It was just removing all the cruft that we had added ourselves because we thought, you know, sticking to LTS was a great idea. Um, and when Taylor mentioned probably late last year, I think it was October or November, he suggested that he's he's thinking maybe there won't be another LTS version. Right. We sort of set in motion. As soon as we had time, we would start upgrading our application. So... Uh, about five o'clock yesterday, I finished that upgrade process. So we are now on 5.3. Awesome. Um, so Monday morning, first thing, what I need to do is go back to the two branches of extra work that we have in active development and rebase that against our master branch, which is now on 5.3, um, and then finish all of that development Uh hopefully next week because we've got we've got a project launching the Monday after that. So uh, wish, wish me luck with that. <laughs> yeah, best of luck. We're going to summarize here the lessons that Michael has learned. I would say, and you can help me here. I will help. Lesson number one, use Laravel Shift. Mm-hmm. Yes, correct? Yep. Okay, yep. I am a huge fan of Laravel Shift. I feel like I was an early adopter, honestly. I shift, I've shifted so much stuff. I just yeah. shift my pants. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever seen that uh, Kmart commercial, by the way. I don't. I don't think so. But that that sounded hilarious. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. It's a Kmart commercial, and they they're talking about how they ship everything. Sure. And uh, and the guy's up at the checkout counter, and he says, he says, shift my ship my pants. Are you serious? And she says, and he's like, yep, you can ship your pants right here. <laughs> and the lady's like, oh my gosh, I just shipped my pants. And then the guy's like, I just shipped my drawers. <laughs> he's like, I just shipped my bed. It's hilarious. Oh, dear. And then, oh my gosh, it's great. great. And then the other one is we call, well, I don't know what you call it in Australia, if you call it petrol or. Uh, yeah. Petrol? Yep. Yeah, we don't call it gas. We call yeah, it gas. We call it petrol. We call it gas. Which is weird because it's not gas. Whatever. Yeah, it's true. It's a liquid, but <laughs> gasoline. So their their other one was big gas savings because like you could save money on gas at, at their things. Yep. So like big gas savings. Oh my gosh, big gas savings. And then they were like, there's a big gas man. And there was like a guy with like a gas truck. He was filling the tanks. It was oh, it's dear. We should link that up in the show notes, these two commercials. Okay. You need to see that. So uh, we need to make a commercial for Laravel Shift that says like, Something. I don't know. I just shifted my dev environment. <laughs> I don't know. Something. <laughs> I feel like you're a walking, talking advertisement for shift. <laughs> it's true. Jason, if you're listening to this. Uh, no, but seriously, it's it's a great uh, service and you should definitely check it out. So I would, I really, really wanted to use Laravel Shift and I did briefly speak to Jason about it. We, we use self-hosted GitLab, ah. which isn't a problem in, in and of itself, but our self-hosted GitLab sits behind a VPN. Yep. And 
Good luck. Whilst what we, and yep. see that that basically meant there was no access for shift to our environment. Yeah. What we could have done was like set up another remote, pushed our code to GitHub in yeah. the private repository, done the shift, pulled it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, exactly. uh, I've got a bit of time. I guess I'll just find out why this is a terrible idea and uh, do it myself. Yeah. So I'm sorry, Jason. I really would love to have used it, but this just didn't work out for us this time, unfortunately. Which for those of you who are not aware, Jason McCreary is the guy who is behind Laravel Shift. We will be having him on the Laravel News podcast coming up this next week. And uh, he was also a speaker at Laracon 2016 in Louisville. So it was cool meeting him. I think he lives there in Louisville. Works right there. Yeah. He gave a talk on Yagni, which you should check out if you haven't. Yeah, fantastic talk. Um, okay, lesson number two with this. LTS, if, so instead of sticking on LTS, if the newer version of Laravel has a feature that you need, upgrade. Don't build it yourself. Mm. Upgrade. And if it doesn't Do have not. something Do that not. you need, if Laravel does not have something that you need, build the code yourself. And then make it a package or make a pull request to Laravel. Yeah. Do that. Yeah. Because if you make it a package, then you can just pull it into your next one and upgrade the little pieces. Yeah. Or just pull request it to Laravel if you think it's something everybody could use. Yep. So there we go. A couple little pieces of info there. Help yourself and help the community. That's right. Absolutely. So I will talk about my experience with I actually did have to help upgrade a installation from 5.3 to 5.4 which was not bad at all. Yeah. I'm trying to remember some of the little things. I think the biggest change for me was going from Elixir to Laravel Mix, which by the way, is not a requirement if you're upgrading from a previous version. You do not have to use Laravel Mix. Yeah. You're not required to do that. So you can continue to use Laravel Elixir, which uses Gulp behind the scenes. Laravel Mix uses Webpack. Uh, there is a little bit of changes. It's not that bad. Uh, the things that were causing me problems were the fact that you have to use NPM. Yeah. And I swear I can never get NPM to work the first time. So I had to wipe out my node modules uh, directory mm -hmm. and do an NPM mm -hmm. install and get that to work. And so that was kind of not fun. Yeah. And my first go around with it, if I did like NPM run dev, it seemed a lot slower yeah. than my what my gulp thing would have done. Yeah. But... If you run npm run watch, that is lightning fast. Yeah. That's crazy fast. Well, because it's watching for changes, right? Whereas the run dev does the whole compilation Correct. from start to finish. Correct. But like when I was running gulp on my one, if I wasn't running gulp watch and I just ran gulp and it compiled all the stuff, it seemed like it was faster than what the uh, npm run dev is. Yeah. So the thing that you also gain from Laravel Mix, which is really cool, is hot reloading. So mm -hmm. module hot reloading. So if you're using view components and things like that, you run npm run hot, I think is the command, and it will listen for changes to your view components and it will recompile them on the fly and refresh or basically re-inject that component into your page, maintaining the state that it was mm -hmm. in, I believe. If you're using Vuex, I don't know. You're right. Even, maybe not, even, even if you're not using Vuex, I'm not sure. Oh, that's pretty insanely awesome. So it's like browser, what's that called? It's like browser watching, but it's not even refreshing the whole page. It's just re-injecting the modules right in to the JavaScript, which is kind of cool. Really cool, actually. Yeah, so very nice. Great workflow there. So it's worth the pain, I think, if you're using Vue to go ahead and switch over to Laravel Mix. You should try it out. Yeah. There's not as much, there's definitely not as much documentation around it yet or help around it in the community because mm -hmm. not as many people have, have used it yet. So if you search for like Laravel Mix, something isn't working, whatever. Yeah. You're not going to find near as much as you would have for like Laravel Elixir stuff. So yeah, just something to be aware of, but it's worth a try. Back if all else fails, rm-rf node modules and start again. There you go. That's right. 
Speaking of RM-RF, <laughs> I wanted to give a shout out to somebody who messaged me on Twitter, Dominic Jones. He had a linked me up to a little GitHub repo that has a NPM thing that you can install globally called Trash. Wes Boss has a uh, video on it. And it will, instead of using RM-RF, you could say Trash and then the directory or the file that you want and it will move it to the trash for you instead of deleting it permanently from your computer. Nice. So that's what I'm using. I've installed it already. I think you just run npm install dash dash global and then it's trash dash CLI. Mm -hmm. Check it out, folks. It's pretty awesome. Really quick to install. And instead of doing rm-rf, you just say trash and it will handle recursive directories and stuff too. So you don't have to say dash rf. You just say trash, give it the name of the directory and away it goes to your trash can. Very nice. And of course, I would have to alias that to rubbish. There you go. <laughs> rubbish. That's right. Uh, or rubbish. garbage. Um, garbage. Garbage. It's very. It's used for basketball. It's all. It's all garbage time. Really? That's basketball. Yeah. Well, it's it's NBA thing as well. It's not. It's not even me. This is uh, Jeff. Jeff Van Gundy always refers to it as garbage time. Nice. The last. We, I, I suppose in uh, Aussie Rules footy, we would call it junk time. That's funny. <laughs> oh, you are. So it's just that last couple of minutes. The last couple of minutes when sort of the game, the game is decided. And ah. the team that is that is like ahead by and you know it's it's an un, yeah it's, they're up considerably there's no way they can lose the game so they just basically put the cue in the rack the cue in the rack the cue in the rack it's you're done um, and then the team that's behind you know they obviously keep playing to the final bell or the siren or whatever whatever the sport is so so it's putting the cue in the rack another little Aussie thing or I'm sure maybe other people know about that is that a pool mm. reference like billiards it is a pool reference yeah billiards gotcha. yeah put the cue put in the, the rack. Cue in the rack you're done I thought you'd know that you're a bit of a pool player well you? you know I no not really I'm terrible at it I'm more no? ping pong than pool no, okay although that's Taylor right. did beat me this last year at Laracon I was close <laughs> it was a close in the match what do you call it? Match, yeah. probably? Yeah, I guess. Speaking of Aussie phrases, mm. well, actually, before I get to Aussie phrases, I had one more West Boss thing to say. He put on uh, Twitter the other day that he had this little code that you could put in uh, your console, JavaScript console in Chrome or whatever, to skip YouTube pre-roll ads. So, like, you get those ads on YouTube, and it's like, you know, you get this car commercial on YouTube yeah. before you can watch the video. So you just type like dollar sign bracket video current time video duration whatever in the console and it will skip past that ad and get you right to the uh, YouTube video, which is kind of cool. Yeah, nice. I've wondered many times if you can make like you can't. I don't think not that I've been able to find if you can make like aliases in the JavaScript console on Chrome. Uh, you can you can basically make a bookmark that runs a JavaScript snippet. Um, and just put it into your bookmarks bar, and then when you click it, it will execute that JavaScript. Ah, cool. So you could do that. You could say like skip pre-roll, yeah. and you could just put that in your bookmarks. And so if you're on a YouTube video, you just click that, and it would skip it. Yep. Pretty cool. Should should do the trick. All right, you should make that little bookmarklet and allow people to do it. All right. Do it. All right, All right. I'll do it. We'll link it up in the show notes. Okay, the other thing I wanted to say is my son is in school, and they're like in, you know, young kids, whatever. Yeah. And this week I walk in to go say hi to him because I was I was swinging by his school. So I was like, I'm going to go and say hi. And I saw outside their classroom. It said, good on you, mate. <laughs> and it had an alligator over this little sign. And I found out <laughs> that they were studying Australia. And I was oh. like, so cool. Good on you, mate. And yeah. so I'm trying to see if I can convince Michael to do a Google Hangout with their classroom one afternoon yeah. and let them ask him some questions about Australia. I thought that'd be pretty cool. 
Yeah, I think I think we can arrange that. That'd be great. That's everybody It'd be interesting. Everybody put some social pressure on Michael. If he doesn't do it, I'm gonna let you guys know, and you just be like, Michael, you're so heartless. Yeah. He's just a kid. <laughs> do it already. You know what I've you know what I've found with with your current uh, political climate, and and this is this is obviously just from what I see on Twitter. So it's obviously a, a giant echo chamber of vitriol in this regard. <laughs> but it there are there seems to be a lot of American citizens on Twitter. So not all of you. I'm definitely not pigeonholing the whole lot of you. No, it's for sure. There's definitely not. I mean, there's a lot of people who are not. It seems that a lot of Trump supporters seem to think that the United States is one giant bubble that and, and that anything that happens there is not the concern or does not affect the rest of the planet. So like one of the things you had said is like, you know, you like to you like to comment on American politics and things like that. Mm. And people have either found out that you're from Australia and been like, it's none of your business, right? Yeah, basically, yeah. Or they say, or you say, they say something like, well, he's your president. And you say, nope, not. He's not my president. And they're like, yes, he is. And you're yeah. like, uh, no, he's not actually. Yeah. Say it as many times as That's you like. Right, it doesn't yeah. make it true, you said. <laughs> That's exactly right. And they don't seem to understand that there, that there are people outside of the United States that are observing and like, I don't and know. And affected, and affected by yeah, the, and affected, right? Yeah. That's the thing. It's, yeah. Well, there was a big kerfuffle the other day when he was on the phone with with our prime minister. Right, I heard about that. And obviously we're not going to find out what actually happened because uh, President Trump took to Twitter as he does for whatever bizarre reason and said, you know, this is a terrible deal and I'm going to look into it. Number one, you probably should have looked into the deal before you got on the phone, phone. yeah, right? So you sure. knew what you were going to be talking about. Our prime minister down here is like, oh, we had a very positive discussion and I'm not sure what all this commotion is about. So you don't know what actually happened. Yeah, right. You don't know if it's some person just trying to cast some, you know, cast some hate on Trump yeah. or whatever, because that happens too, right? You know? Of course, yeah. And it's it's very difficult because there are lots of people who think, you know, it's great because he's up there and uh, this is turning into a talk about politics. So I'll try and wrap it up very quickly. But there's, um, there seems to be a lot of talk about how it's great that he's he's basically like regular people and he's not, number one. He's, he's this billionaire who has no contact with the common person. And, and whilst it's okay for people like you and me to say things like he says them amongst friends and, you know, to people that we know, he's the president of... A global superpower and you like global politics doesn't work that way yeah, you're held to a higher standard yeah you are held to a higher standard there are you know right companies rise and fall at things that he says stock markets go up and down based on things that he says true yep. um yeah it's, it's concerning but <laughs> long way around um is that it'll be interesting to see what your son's um class has to think about Australia, because as we discovered with uh, Eric when we talked with him and Jack on the Laravel News a couple of weeks ago, you'll think we just ride kangaroos around the place. So you know what's funny is I don't even know that these kids are really that are, are really old enough or have enough exposure to Australia oh, okay. to know much of that stuff. I think this is this is their because they're in you know they're in preschool pretty much like kindergarten. Sure. So I think that this kind of study, this foray into learning about Australia is probably some of the first exposure that they've had to Australia. Now, like we have a Curious George episode that we watch where they yep. talk about dingoes and good day, mate. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's the Aussie way and blah, blah, blah. So it's it's a really cute episode. Sure. And it's what is it? Who is the guy who was uh, crikey? 
crocodile hunter guy. What Cro- was his name? Uh, yeah, the crocodile hunter, Steve Owen. Steve Owen, his daughter is actually the one who kind of hosts that Curious George episode. So it's probably somewhat accurate. Okay. So um, my son probably has a decent understanding of a couple of things in Australia. But of course, they only talk about sea cows and, you know, kangaroos and all that stuff. Sure. So what the hell is a sea cow? <laughs> they call it something different. There's a... Uh, okay. It's, you guys don't call them sea cows. It's a manatee. I don't know what a sea cow is. A manatee. Okay. What do you guys call those? Oh, the oh, a huge manatee. Yeah. <laughs> is that supposed to sound like oh, the humanity? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the huge manatee. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, the huge manatee. Do you know what that's from? A sea cow. Oh, do you know what that's from? Oh, the humanity. Just, do you know what that's from? Tell me. It's from the zeppelin crashing, that big zeppelin that came down uh, and like all the oh, flames yeah, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, there was a reporter watching, and he was. They were filming it, and he says, "Oh, the humanity," and it was supposed to, you know, it was like really ah, sad. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, little, now I know. History lesson. The for more you. you know. Yep. Very good. Smarter every day. Huh. Hashtag. Yeah. Well, do we have anything else, Laravel, to talk about before we bore our listeners to no, death no. with our Did we... regular talk here? No, I think we. I think we covered covered everything. We we went short, sharp. We went political. We went bad pun. Um, yeah, yeah, nah. we went all the way I around. Think we're good. We went all around the block. Yeah, I will. Nah. Uh, I will say. Yeah, I was. I've been working on this application today, and um, one of the things that I realized and learned that I did not know before was I did know this that you can do really easy array validation in um, mm-hmm. in Laravel, which is super handy. Yeah. So let me give you an example. I have a registration form where I need to be able to have a single guardian and that guardian needs to be able to register up to 10 kids to participate in this camp. Mm -hmm. So the form starts with one child as a form there. Yep. I don't want to display all 10 of them if they're only going to use one. Correct. So it starts with one. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, so what do you name that? Do you go through and you name it, you know, child one name, child one camp, child one grade? Yep. Or do you use an array? Well, yep. You can use an array, and what that allows you to do is instead of having to manually type in in the back end, child one name, if it's there, require the grade in the camp or whatever, you can just say child.star.name equals required. And the way that you do that is in the name field of that input, so I have my text input for the child's name, I do child bracket mm-hmm. name bracket. So like array syntax, so you say like, I'm yep. pa- you know, my, my child... And then name, and what that comes through as in the uh, in the request, once it comes through, is each child is its own separate array, mm-hmm. uh, and they have the name, the email, you know, the name, the grade, and the camp wrapped up in that array. So it's pretty handy. So you can say like yep. for each child in the request, and it will give you the name, the grade, and the camp for each child. So you can loop mm-hmm. through and create your children class, you know, models or. Uh, you know, records or however you want to do that. Yeah. So uh, if you've never dealt with that before, that is something cool you can do. And I'm also using Vue to add children on there and uh, works really yep. good. So pretty You're pretty not handy. just using jQuery.clone or .com oh, or whatever. Man, it's so nice to just have Vue and like be able to have it at my disposal to just work on and stuff like this. Yeah. Where the Vue that I'm using is probably like 10 lines long. Yeah. And I have an add button and a remove button. And I don't have to worry about any of this garbage with, yeah. you know, messing with the DOM. I just put my template in there yeah. and I have my HTML reflect the data object that I have in there. That's it. I mean, it's so simple. Yeah. All the reactivity makes things oh. so much easier. Yeah, the reactivity and and not having to query the DOM to figure out what your yeah. state is. I know what my state is yeah. based on what's in my data. 
object on my view, yep. my view object that is, so my data object in my view object, uh, I know what the state is and then the DOM just updates to reflect that. So much easier. Yep. So much easier. Yeah, it's so much nicer. Can you can you think how we lived for so long with jQuery? Like, obviously I'm not not ragging on jQuery. It's it, a great tool. It got us by for yeah. a long, long time and it's, you know, it made things so much easier. But now React and Vue and all those kind of front-end JavaScript frameworks have taken it to the next level. And for anyone who's familiar with the jQuery way of doing things, it's a bit of a shock to the system. Yes, true. I mean, hey, we've been talking about WesBoss all, all episodes, so have a look at WesBoss's JavaScript 30. Yep. Um, and I th- there's another course he's got, which obviously escapes me ES6 at this time. ES6 for everyone or something? Yeah, the, ES, the ES6 for everyone. I think if you, if you do the JavaScript 31 and then you do the ES6 one, uh, the, the first one, the JavaScript 30 is free. ES6 is is a paid for one. But if you can get up to speed on ES6 and and basically vanilla JavaScript, this will all make so much more sense to you and Vue will make your life that much quicker. And it'll, it'll become a pleasure, I think, to, to work in the front end again. Yeah. It, uh, if you have not yet used Vue, definitely try it out. My Markdown to Medium app that I wrote would have taken a crap ton of jQuery. The current, let me look at how many lines. Let me, I'm gonna look at it one second. I'm gonna see how many lines that entire application is in view. It is tiny. App.js, I literally just threw it in app.js. That's how small it is. All right, here we go. It is, um, come on, oh great, the mouse just died. Here we go. It is, <laughs> let's see, it is like 50 lines, not even. Not even 50 lines yeah. of code. And it will take, I mean, it rep- so basically that will start with a single form. You paste in your markdown, you press next. It will parse all the markdown, create blocks out of those pieces of markdown, allow you to name them. It will then let you go to the next step. It will take those and persist those to GitHub. It will then generate a new URL for you. I mean, it literally does a ton of stuff that would have taken an eternity to write in jQuery. Yeah. And it was no problem at all with Vue. Your persistence to GitHub, are you firing that as a request to your server and then your server handles that asynchronously? Or is Vue, is your Vue app sending to, okay, cool. Nope, that, that's correct. And I'm actually using a little, I, I suppose I am cheating a little bit. I'm using a little uh, a little node package called Extract mm-hmm. GFM. It will take and it will extract code blocks out of a Markdown file. Uh, so it does that. And then all I do is I basically, on the back side, I just say, take each one of those code blocks after you've named them and fire a request off to the server that will create a new gist for the user. And then it comes back with the URL and I inject that URL in place of where the code block was before. Yep. And then the last step is to take that whole thing, once all of those code blocks have been replaced with URLs, take all of that and fire that off and create a gist out of that and then bring back that URL and that's what you paste into Medium. Nice. Yeah. So how, how's that going, by the way? It's still still ticking along on Product Hunt. Yeah. Are you getting I, getting a bit of traffic to it? I haven't looked at it on Product Hunt in a little while. It did pretty decent on Product Hunt. I'm actually gonna look real fast here and see how many users I've got. Though it's been, I mean, it's been going pretty well. Yep. Not anything insane, but I've got 411 users and 552 nice. gists have been created. So Very something. Good. It feels like there's somebody new every day. You know, I've I've not missed really. A day it seems like every day that goes by, somebody's creating stuff on it. So that's kind of cool. It's it's fun just cool. to be able to see that chunking along. And I get every once in a while somebody says, "Oh, this is a great tool. Thanks for creating this." And so mm-hmm. anyway, nice. Yeah. Oh, yep. Yep. 
Very uh, did we good talk about times. your uh we'll make this the last thing. Did we talk about your upcoming possible course? Uh yeah. Uh yes. We, we have talked about, about it. it. We should say something about it so that you have to do it. Okay. I have a domain that I was very generously uh, donated by good friend Yaz. So thank you very much to Yaz for the domain and also the GitHub organization that goes along with it. I have planned it all out. I have just been very busy with other things at the moment. Lots of things have come up at home, so nothing bad. Just um, I've had a lot of freelance stuff on and and all of this upgrading Laravel stuff has taken a lot out of me. So uh, it's coming. I've got... Uh, I recorded a like an introduction video, which isn't really a video. It's just me talking. So that's done. And I've got, I probably got three, four, maybe five videos of introduction on different ways to install and manage uh, WordPress. So yeah. So you didn't mention what the course is. What is what is the course for us? So elevator sure. pitch. Um, yeah, the elevator pitch. Okay. A lot of a lot of people. You know, we're, we're building Laravel apps all the time and. And it seems that every time we do this, we want to build a content management system. And content management is a solved problem. Whether you use WordPress or Statomic or Craft or whatever, it's a solved problem. There's no reason why we should be building content management systems. So I'm, I'm focusing on WordPress because it's ubiquitous. It's easy to install. Pretty much everyone knows how to use it. And what I'm looking at is, is how Laravel interacts with WordPress. So how to set up WordPress, how to set up Laravel, how to set up Laravel to talk to WordPress, looking at some different ways of doing that. There seems to be quite a bit of interest for it from what I've seen. And I've been speaking to a couple of other people about it as well. And they're, you know, I wanted to do it, but, you know, something came up or things like that. So um, I think I've got the right idea. It's just a matter of executing. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm excited Fingers to crossed. see it, man. I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Last, cool. My last tip of the day today that I will forget if I don't say something. I had this view thing that I was using and I had the add child button, remove child button. Mm-hmm. And what I was finding is anytime I was in any input on the page and pressed enter, it would create a new child one. So every time I pressed enter, it was hitting the first, that add button. Mm-hmm. I was like, how, why in the world is that happening? And what I figured out is that anytime you have a button or an input in a form that is a type of submit, so the button wasn't a type of submit, but it was a button. And then there was an input with a type of submit. When you press enter on a form, it tries to submit it, right? Yeah. Well, it will look at the first button on the page. In the form. Yes. So the first button in my form was the add child button. So it was firing, it was hitting that and doing the add child anytime I pressed enter, which was annoying. That's not expected behavior at all. So what you have to do is on that button, you have to put specify type equals button, not type, type equals, equals submit, submit yep. but type equals button. And if you put type equals button on those uh, ones, then it knows that when you press enter, those ones are not to be checked. Yeah. Look for the one that is the type of submit. So just a little quick tip. Pro tip. Yep, pro tip. All right, man. Well, I think we are out of time here and we actually recorded this time, right? Yes, definitely. This this thing is on. Awesome. Uh, And as always, if you like the show today, please feel free to rate us five stars in your podcatcher of choice. Really helps as we are looking for more listeners all the time and that helps people to find us. If you have any questions that you would like us to answer on a future episode or any comments, please feel free to talk to us on Twitter at North South Audio. You can find show notes for this episode at northmeetsouth.audio slash 22. Thank you everybody for listening. We will see you in a couple weeks. Good day.